welcome back for the seventh installment of our Extra Lore series, recorded live on October 4th, 2016 on Twitch.tv. Big shout out to the chat here. Thank you so much for spending your evening with us. This is your host, Blue Crew 86 Alongside me, we have the man who it has been said has the voice of a flower, Justin Sane 0516. Justin, have you had any chance to play any of the games that we're going to be talking about tonight? Yes, I did. What there, are your thoughts? I, I did. I couldn't catch the damn princess in the <laughs> orchard. <laughs> she got away. <laughs> no, no. Uh, I, I really do. I, I I like it more as a concept than as a thing. I'm going to play for hours on end. Um, it's got kind of that open world feel where there's way too many things blinking on the mini map for me. <laughs> Just. It's your, way your too OCD, many icons. OCD yeah. start acting up. But but um, visually, it's astounding. And the story seems really intriguing as well. I just haven't been in on too many of the games so far. Well, we have with us also tonight two members of our chat and some amazing contributors to our topic maps. Topic maps. Wow. You need to learn how to speak first. Uh, first up is a returning guest, Green-Eyed Music Lover. Green, what would you say your favorite aspect of the topic tonight is? You know, Blue, I love the meta of this game. I love the overarching between the real world and the fantasy world that they create. It's just a lot of fun. Not as funny as the princess in the (laughs) orchard. Sorry. I don't, I, yeah, half the time I don't know where he goes with some of these things. Um, Next up. Next up is the, a new guest, Coed Beast. Coed, how about you? What aspect of Assassin's Creed would you say is your favorite? I have to say that I fell in love with the story of Abstergo and how, as Green Eyed said, there's you have the main story that's within the game, but you have this like backstory that you don't really find out about until you're almost done with the first game. That's a good point. And we're gonna, we're definitely going to be getting into Abstergo. That's a huge, huge component of the basic summary of it. So I guess what we should do next is talk about the topic. So the topic of tonight's chat is going to be an introductory glance into the world of Assassin's Creed. Before we get into that, however, I do want to run through some quick notes. In our last Extra Lore episode, we discussed the world of Pokemon. If you missed that and have any interest in hearing our thoughts, please be sure to check out www.focusfirechat.com for archives of all our previous chats, as well as links to all our various other pages. If you don't mind, please also give us some feedback on iTunes just to let us know how we're doing. As many of you already know, Focus Fire Chat is a cross-community gathering where the intent is to offer a week-long, in-depth view of a particular subject from within the lore of Destiny and other games. This chat begins every Tuesday morning and runs until the following Tuesday with topics decided by the group via a poll that begins every Friday and ends on the Tuesday morning of the new chat. Every month at around 10 p.m. Central, we get around together. We get together to stream a recap of the previous month's extra lore topic for those who are unable to participate in that month, that previous month's chat. Please be sure to also give some support to the other podcasts in the Guardian Radio Network found at theguardiansofdestiny.com. 
Our next extra lore is going to be a discussion on the Bioshock games. So please be sure to jump into the Discord server and weigh in. The chat is going pretty strong on that one, actually. So I'm really looking forward to next month's. With all that being said, let's go ahead and dive into some of the information that we have about the world of Assassin's Creed. Um, Real quick, I did actually kind of just put together a really, really brief summary if you guys want me to kind of lead the charge a little bit, if that's okay with you guys. Go for it. Go right ahead. Do it. All right. So... Many, many people are familiar with the Assassin's Creed games. Um, it's a pretty predominant uh, game in a lot of the, the more current generation of consoles and even on PC. It's an Ubisoft game, obviously, and it's set in a fictional history of our world in which real world events occur. But there is underneath a centuries old struggle between two groups, the Assassins and the Templars. The groups disagree on a fundamental level over the best path to acquire an elusive peace. Not 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 like peace, but like peace. Um, assassins fight for peace with free will, while Templars pursue peace through control. The inspiration for the series, which currently consists of about 10 titles within the main series and roughly about 11 other titles, including DLCs and expansions, comes from the novel Alamut, which is from the author Vladimir Bartol, and the concepts from the Prince of Persia series. However, it has gone beyond a mere copy of the mechanics and stories, become one of the more well-known series currently. Spanning across consoles, mobile devices, and social networks, the game series has truly found its own voice. Looking more deeply into the series, the general storyline is one which, as I said previously, revolves around the rivalry between the societies of the Assassin Brotherhood and the Knights Templar. Within the main games, we we begin the story in 2012, seeing the world through the eyes of a character known as Desmond Miles, who is a descendant of several lines of assassins. The story begins shortly after the kidnapping of Desmond by Abstergo Industries, which is, you know, we heard that earlier, which is the modern-day face of the Templar Brotherhood, and the introduction of the Animus, which is a device which allows the user to experience what's called ancestral memories. This is basically a way for individuals to actually live out the lives of their ancestors via DNA mapping something that Abstergo and the Templars used to discover the secrets of the Assassin Brotherhood. In the course of the game, they are seeking to discover the location of powerful artifacts known as the Pieces of Eden. These devices hold great power, allowing the wielder to control mankind and alter the fate of our world through the ability to unite humanity in one single unified group. Uh, so remember, again, the Templars are are searching for this because it, it gives them peace through control. On the surface, this seems to be, you know, a rather honorable goal. However, such control is absolute and the lure to misuse it is inevitably brings about more harm than good. Uh, Desmond seeing this allies with a small group of assassins and using their own version of the Animus dives into his past in order to find the pieces of Eden and save humanity from a future of slavery to the will of the Knights Templar. There is a price to pay for the use of delving so deeply into the ancestral memories, however. And this is, this is presented as an effect known as the bleeding effect, 
which occurs while the user experiences their ancestors' lives, in which some of the abilities are genetically leaked into the user. In some cases, this leads to a mental fragmentation during uh, basically the user's just start blending too much information and it draws the user past their limit and into insanity as they lose touch with reality. This stems from the leaking of not just knowledge, but actual memories and personalities of those lives the user experiences while in the animus. But returning to the games, we, we walk through the experience of using the animus to see the events of different eras from the eyes of figures who live during them. While playing as Desmond, we are taken to the Third Crusade in the guise of Altair Ibn Lahad. I'm not really sure on the pronunciation of that one. The 15th and early 16th century in the figure of Ezio Auditorio de Firenze and the American Revolution with Connor. There's also a few other figures, and I'm not 100% sure on there. I think it's colonial era is uh, Connor and blanking on... The black flag. Isn't it Edward? Edward, Edward thank you. Um, and then uh, the characters in Assassin's Creed Unity is the French Revolution, and then Syndicate is Victorian era. Um, we did just learn that the newest one looks like it's going to be taking place in Egypt. We're not quite sure on the timing of that one just yet. So anyways, this experience has showed Desmond a prophecy of previous animus animus test subject known as subject 16, which speaks of the end of the world in 2012, which is the year that we're all, this is all taking place. in. So this event, which introduces the ancient civilization, which had existed before humanity on earth is a disastrous storm, which Desmond is able to deflect. However, the cost of saving the world is his life. But Desmond's death doesn't mean the end for us as players, because while he was within the Animus, the machine has saved his memories in cyberspace, which then Abstergo takes advantage of by hiring a new subject, which is introduced to us in Black Flag, to enter the Animus to relive the memories of Edward Kenway, who lived during the British colonial years. So that all is kind of a full circle of that. And then, like I said, over the course of the games, players are allowed to, through the use of the Animus, experience events from the Third Crusade, the Renaissance, Colonial Era, French Revolution, we have Imperial China, the Sikh Empire, and the October Revolution within a game that's called, there's three smaller games called Chronicles, and then the Victorian Era from Syndicate. Um, that is basically a really, really, really rough introduction to the overall plot, I guess, of uh, Assassin's Creed 1 through roughly Black Flag. Um, I personally have not played Unity or Syndicate or any of the ones after Black Flag. So I'm gonna I'm gonna defer defer a little bit to Green Green Eyed and Coed on those. Um, because I'm not, I, I have unity. I just haven't had the time to sit down and actually play through it. I also have uh, chronicles, but again, haven't had the free time to sit down and play. They both look really fascinating. Um, but I, I'm so as a basic introduction though, it's a really, really kind of cool concept. And personally, I see, I, I can see a lot of reasons why it kind of breaks the fourth wall because in a way, when we're in the animus as characters, we're playing someone who's playing 
someone else, <laughs> which is really kind of fun when you start thinking about it. But um, I'm going to let you guys kind of take the table now that I've kind of set the stage and kind of flesh out where what pieces you guys think we need to focus on a little bit. Well, well I th- I'd, I'd have to say that the first rule of Assassin's Creed is there is no wall. There is no fourth wall or anything like that. Everything it, it can permitted. get very convoluted very quickly if you're really trying to flesh out the story because so much happens. Exactly. When you get into Syndicate, Syndicate and Unity, they just expound on what happened during Black Flag. You just see more and more of those memories from these test subjects, and you get to break that that wall down over and over and over again. There's not mm-hmm. as cohesive of a story, I don't think, as there was from Assassin's Creed 1 to when Desmond dies in Assassin's Creed 3. Mm-hmm. There's not that cohesive story that there was in those original stories that happens in Syndicate and Unity and Chronicles, but you still get to play with the universe. Mm-hmm. Well, part of that I attribute to the fact that in Unity they introduced kind of a new mechanic where you're no longer you're no longer Desmond. You are just some random person who's using the Animus because they've they've kind of commercialized the Animus with made it like a VR set almost. Mm-hmm. Where you can go in and you can live out your own ancestral lives and you know be an assassin or what have you. And while you're doing this, you actually get contacted by, I think it's Lucy. Or is Lucy dead? I forget who it is. Lucy, yeah, Lucy was. She, she was, died uh, in like two. two. Yeah. The name, the name's escaping me. Um, Rebecca? Rebecca, yes. You get contacted by Rebecca and who's, is it Sean is the yeah, librarian? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you, they're your main points of contact in Unity. And. You, they basically hack into your animus feed, tell you, hey, we need you to go look for this specific thing because there's these bad people that are after it. And you find out those bad people are upstairs. Go. And it just gets way crazier because you're no longer playing the original characters that Desmond was. Mm-hmm. You know, when it comes to the later games, I don't feel that they have as much weight as the original set does. Because mm-hmm. you had the end of the world and the, the with the rule of Juno coming up, which we should totally dive into that when it mm-hmm. comes to the Isu and everything. Yeah, the, well, in the Isu, yeah. uh, the Isu are the first civilization. So, mm-hmm. yeah, the Isu are kind of fascinating in and of themselves. Because, again, having only played through Black Flag, they're still kind of an enigma on the whole, like, what exactly they are and, you know, why they even really care because some of them don't, but some of them do. I think Juno is the one that cares, right? Because one of them, there's two main, if I remember right. By the end of the black flag, you've met three of them. You've met Juno, Jupiter and Minerva. And Juno's the one who actually has a second agenda going into all of this. She actually wants to, rule the human race again because the Isu were originally the first race, the race that came before humans. They created humans. And they they had control over all of us, but we populated too much. They 
then we had the Adam and Eve thing that happens. I think you see that. Is it in Assassin's Creed one where you see that scene where uh, Adam and Eve steal the apple? No, that's two. It's, no, in, it's in the SCO trilogy. Okay. Yeah. So that was you an see awesome them. Trilogy. That was an awesome. Scene. Oh yeah. That was great. That was some great stuff. But then um, Juno programs herself to into the, what's it called? Not the temple where Desmond does the final sacrifice. The grand temple. Yeah, at the Grand Temple. She programs mm-hmm. herself into one of those, the key type things. And if Desmond sacrifices himself, she gets let loose kind of thing. And Or if he doesn't sacrifice himself, she gets loose. It's one of the two. Yeah, because yeah, he had a choice to release her or um, kill himself. Mm-hmm. And basically the price, I can't, oh my gosh, it's been so long since I've played that that particular game. Um, one option was to, re- to release her and she would save humanity, but enslave it. But then uh-huh. there was the other option was to, to in, like continue to imprison her. And then he, he had to basically sacrifice himself to save humanity. But then like, it was basically a choice between living in slavery or the potential of surviving but not being enslaved, which, of course, Desmond chose the freedom, and that's what caused him to, I think, because he basically burned himself up running the um, Grand Temple to protect the world from the, I think, wasn't it like a solar, solar flare or something like that? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, solar flare that would burn the world to ash. Which has happened once before. Oh, that was no. the original I, I stand corrected. I just reread this. Uh, Juno reasoned with Desmond about the fate of the world, urging him to use the device um, in case so that history would not repeat himself. He ultimately agreed, dis- he ultimately agreed despite Minerva pleading to do the opposite uh, for the good of the planet and believing that humanity would be able to find a way to stop Juno. Um, and then, you know, while... Sean, Rebecca, and I believe his father were getting out. He activates the pedestal and is killed by the great temple. Um, and then Juno is freed from her prison. Mm-hmm. She's yeah, she's kind of the backstabbing one. And out of the three that we meet, because you meet, uh, was it Minerva's the first one that we mm-hmm. meet? Minerva's the mm-hmm. Minerva's the one that seems like she's she's the one that I was thinking of. She's the one that kind of is like, no, we're not good people. <laughs> we we don't need to be here. Please don't let mm-hmm. us free. But yeah, that. That's definitely one of the most intense scenes in the whole trilogy or whole series. Period. I sadly never got to that scene. Oh, it was it was a good one because they find like it was one of the it was one of the times that they actually like I I respected the company for actually following through and killing their main character, mm-hmm. which it to me and like and they found an ingenious way to you know to to continue the game, but. At the same time, they Desmond, you know, like you guys are saying, Desmond's not in the picture anymore. Like Desmond's gone completely, except we have his memories through the DNA sequencing and stuff like that, uh, which, you know, we now have, it's a company called Abstergo Entertainment, 
now mm-hmm. instead of Astergo Industries. Um, and the entire, I think the entire point, which is how I, how interestingly they explain multiplayer within the Assassin's Creed universe is they said that Abstergo Entertainment wants to put an animus in, you know, it's basically the new gaming console is kind of how they explain it, which I, I was like, you know what, that's a really cool kind of meta explanation of this is how we're going to explain why all of a sudden now you're fighting other people who are inside the animus instead of, you know, having different, like, instead of just being kind of like, no, we're not really gonna, we're not really going to explain it. We're just going to, you're going to have to take, you know, this with not within the lore. I always appreciate game companies who (laughs) use like Halo. Halo does the same thing with the Spartan, you know, the, the red versus blue concepts. Um, then you know destiny does the same thing with the crucible like the stuff that takes pvp and builds it within the lore of the actual game i think is really really cool um and that's the entire basis of abstergo entertainment which is a subsidiary of abstergo industries which of course is you know like i was saying is the the modern face of the templar brotherhood um and so they're you know constantly trying to push the uh the animus onto people because the more people they have explore, because I think they kind of explained that in black flag, the more people that they have chipping away at the, the D basically the defragmenting of the DNA memories from Desmond, the more likely they're going to find pieces of Eden, which then will lead to them being able to control everybody. Ultimately, um, trying to think, I'm trying to remember if there was anything. Re- I mean, there was a lot about the first civilization, especially with you know we kind of we kind of talked about a little bit about the the human uprising, which led to the pieces of Eden kind of being distributed among the world, and then obviously, obviously the the fragmented of philosophies of the assassins and the the, the Templars. Templar. Um. Well, I guess we can talk about the pieces of Eden a little bit as well. Um, well, because, if we're going to talk about the pieces, we should probably go into the Isu a little bit more. You want to talk the Isu? Yeah. I'm I mean, to they can't really. I mean, well, they. Oh, let's see. Um, again, with a little bit of twisting of history, they. They actually use the Adam and Eve story in the the uh, explanation of the pieces of Eden, especially with the apple of Eden, um, mm-hmm. because uh, they actually have Eve be like because pieces of Eden were technology that the first civilization used to control humans because humanity was created by the Isu to be slaves. Um. And apparently, there's actually a technological explanation of this whole thing. Uh, there's apparently a neurotransmitter that was implanted into the brain, and I, I guess it's still the the chemical is still in the brain later generations and generations down. Um, but this all leads to two two of the hybrids, um, because obviously, uh, as any any master slave sci-fi situation there's going to be 
the inner the interbreeding and this led to hybrids being created and two of these hybrids were named Adam and Eve and they stole one of the apples from their masters and escaped from Eden which then led to an immense war breaking out which pitted humanity against the gods um you know the first civilization which is Juno Minerva Jupiter, all these figures of, you know, Greek and ancient mythologies. These were all Isu figureheads in the game. Um, During the entire war, this was basically at the same time that everything was going on on Earth. um, There was a giant solar flare uh, coming into to hit the planet. And the Isu basically kind of fragmented their their focus and they basically said okay these three uh jupiter juno and minerva were tasked with finding a way to kind of guard against this flare while the rest of the isu went out to deal with these you know these uprisings lo and behold no one really survived because they didn't really figure out a way to prevent the solar flare from destroying everything um I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think what else. Because that was how Jupiter, Juno, and Minerva got trapped within the temples. Was they basically locked their their intellect um, into the temples at the last di- as a last ditch effort to continue researching on how to protect the planet. Right. And the hybrids of Adam and Eve being kind of the first, what we would know as Templars or Assassins, since they're immune to the the pieces of Eden. What I think is funny is, as typical with any master race, when they create a hybrid, they try to bring them into their full say this is the way we do things this is how you should do things as well <laughs> and that was the only reason why adam and eve ever even got access to the apple like this could have all been avoided that they would just would have been like listen you're kind of like us but you're not the same we can't control you because you have our blood in us but you're gonna do what we say anyways or we're just gonna kill you yeah because hub- that's hubris so well. hubris hubris always <laughs> always wins <laughs> Right? It's like, I don't know. It's just, it's a, it's a running theme in any of these games that it's always the problem of they bring their spawn up and say, hey, we're going to make you like us. And spawn goes, no, I'm mm. different. I'm me. Mm-hmm. Well, anyone who has spawn will tell you that that never works out, period. So. <laughs> Ain't that so. the truth. But blind obedience is not entertaining. So it's <laughs> yeah. the apple. Yeah, well, and so, you know, basically, so, so basically, I think the explanation is assassins and Templars are descended from the hybrid, whereas there well, certain assassins, certain individuals are descended from these hybrids, whereas the majority of humanity, which is still be able to be controlled for the pieces, which I actually think there was a question in chat about why, um, Altair didn't get affected by the apple when in the first in the first game the the boss 
the final oh, boss, yeah, yeah. quote unquote, is um, oh, what's the crazy guy's name? Um, uh, Al Mualama. Mualam. Yeah. So, anyways, the, the he t- assassin master. Yeah, and then he like goes nuts. And um, mad with power. Yeah. Well, and I mean, that's that's the thing is like that's exactly the reason why the Assassin Brotherhood stands up to the Templars is because you know he was he was the poster child of why you don't want this. Um, was he's like, oh, I have complete control. You mean I can? You will do whatever I tell you. Well, this is what I want you to do. Um, however, Altair was able to kind of resist it, and. In you know, it basically ends up assassinating his master. Um, I'm trying to think. I think that might be why he uh, he was able to resist the control was because he was descended from the um, the hybrids. Mm-hmm. It's very possible. It well, makes it fits. Aren't most of the assassins considered to be descendants of the original hybrids in some shape or form, some having more genetic code that would be linked back to that than others? Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm not 100% sure um, because, again, I have only played through like the first half of Black Flag. So this, I think, gets explained later in the games. Because I don't remember this information that I'm seeing in our notes and on the the wiki, um, I don't remember this being explained in game. This, and I know that there's, um, I know that there is a series of books outside of the games as well that kind of, I think, expands on this. Um, and comic books. Yes, yes. And there's there's a whole host of media. I mean, there's ARGs and social media sites and or social media games. Uh, for example, to get ready for Assassin's Creed 2, there was the, the huge Facebook game that you could actually use to unlock equipment inside the game. Which yes. was a really, it was a really cool one. And it that, was. That explained, that explained actually a lot about Ezio and like where his whole story was going and everything. They did. I, th- I want to say they did something similar with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Union app. Yeah, they did. Uh, they. Oh, it was re- recollection, legacy, or recollection. I don't remember. <laughs> trying to remember. I'm trying to remember. There is. There is another one. No, le- uh, legacy was for uh, Assassin's Creed Two. Uh, it might have been it might have been uh memories mm. but i'm trying to remember cuz they they've kind of done like spin-off games for like to prepare for all of them like pirates was a spin-off game from assassin's creed black flag right uh, Disco- uh, the Cr- Altair's Chronicles was Altair's Chronicles and Bloodlines were Assassin's Creed One and Assassin's Creed ish two ish I think um, 
but yeah, and and those those went a far, you know, those went pretty far in explaining some of the background story of the main characters that we experience in the main games. Um, those being, you know, kind of we already talked about it a little bit: Altair, Ezio, uh, Connor, and Connor. Edmund, or not Edmund, Edward, um, and then Unity. I'm trying to remember. There's the other games are Altair's Chronicles, Bloodlines, Discovery, Project Legacy, Recollection, Pirates, and Memories. Mm-hmm. According to the wiki page. And then who was the main? Who was the main character from Unity? Did did they have a main figure they from did. the historical figure? Uh, what was his name? He was the one that was born from the Templar. Oh, that's yeah. right. Because Unity family. was Unity. Uh, Unity was the one that kind of crossed the. Because I remember in Black Flag was the introduction of the, you know, we already talked about that. Black Flag was the introduction of the main character who was who was actually supposed to be you. Like, you as a player were actually the, the main character. Um, so they were the nameless, you know, the nameless quote-unquote hero. Arno. Arno is Unity. Um, and then I haven't even... The twins know. for Syndicate? Syndicate, yeah, they they were twins. Yes, Alt, thank you in chat. Arno Arno Dorian was the Unity. Oh, now I'm going to have to replay that game again. <laughs> <laughs> well, it doesn't God take long to get, through, to get through that little first little bit of story. <laughs> <in that one. laughs> no, 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 I'm, I'm being completely, completely serious. <laughs> I got through the part. You know, I don't want to spoil it for anybody, but um, he caught he caught the princess. Not to I spoil it for anybody, she wasn't that fast. But no, <laughs> I, that was uh, one of the best parts. That was the best part. No, no I'm kidding. <laughs> you just keep part. talking about it. Yeah, <laughs> it really left an impression on me. It was like, here's this great game. Look at all these beautiful buildings. Go get groceries. <laughs> You know, it was do like the most mundane thing you can think of is chase this little girl through the rose bushes. But um, <laughs> no, actually, I think Arno, his adopted father, ended up being a grandmaster, right? Mm-hmm. And he had no clue. He didn't know until he found out who killed him, which yes. is a whole nother twist to the story. And you're just like, what? <laughs> <laughs> And then, yeah, and Syndicate, thank you again, Alt. Uh, Syndicate was Jacob and Evie Fry, and I know Rogue was Shay. Mm-hmm. Um, and then again, we're, we're getting another one, but we don't know really anything about it. I know that they data mined something, and they found pyramids, so everyone's losing their mind because it's Pretty, pretty. Yeah, everyone's pretty convinced it's pyramids in Central Egypt. America, though. Yeah, true. yeah, that's true. Stop, stop, but, stop! Bursting everyone's excitement. Yeah. Think of this. Think of this. Good. What if we're in Egypt and we meet another one of the Isu because was, yeah. of the idea of the oh, what is it? Ah, uh, the not the high up in the Egyptian 
not the king, Pharaoh. I mean, there's always Pharaoh. Osiris. We can always bring Osiris into this oh, conversation. Oh, God, no. <laughs> you managed to do it. How the heck did you do that? I've, I've got uh, – just, so, uh, just so we're clear, I have a very serious Saladin angle. Oh, God. <laughs> okay, everyone drink. We it's, got a no, Cyrus no. in drink. No. What do you think I've been doing? Stop it. So uh, there was actually a, uh, a Templar Grand Master who, and what siege was it? I'm trying to find it now. I had it up. I didn't think I'd get a chance to talk about it. He was actually killed by a Muslim sheik named Saladin, and that blew my mind. It blew my head right off. That was I'll in the Etsy oh. trilogy, trilogy, wasn't mm-hmm. it? Oh, that actually made it in game. I'm just going straight history here. There's well, that's that's the cool thing is it's it's got a really really cool combination of actual historical events within mm-hmm. like. They they weave the assassin and the Templar storyline really seamlessly into actual historical events. Like the one that really comes to mind is throughout Assassin's Creed Two. There, well, the entire Ezio trilogy, um, how they explain like Henry Ford, World War Two, uh, Nikolai Tesla, like all these major figures, and they don't they don't change history. Like they don't change like what actually happened. But they like start like photoshopping things into these old pictures and you have to do like there was an entire side quest when you're looking for subject 16 in Assassin's Creed 2. And like oh, you start, you, you, do you remember that? Like you start pick, you find pictures of like uh, the one that really sticks out is the Henry Ford, the, the one of the big pictures of Henry Ford and like all the main figures of the Western world. And like you, you have to scroll over this picture and then all of a sudden like this abstergo logo just like pops out at you or not abstergo it was a templar logo at that point but it was like the templar cross just like is like sitting right there and then like there's a picture of nikolai tesla and the same thing like you have to find you know all these hidden messages within these within these photos who there are actual photos um and like so they take all these events like the introduction of electricity and they um take uh, the introduction of the the oh what was it Adam Smith's um, I just totally blanked on Adam Smith's and the workforce, which I feel like a terrible person for forgetting this division of labor. Mm-hmm. Was that Adam Smith? Man, I am like drawing a complete blank on my American history right there. Anyways, they take that entire concept and they break it out and they're like, yeah, this is all, you know, this was all a machination of the Templars to exert control on the masses and all this stuff. It's really, really well done on the story writings side. Mm-hmm. For sure. I mean, you you get ties in with Machiavelli. You get ties mm-hmm. in with Leonardo da Vinci. Those were fun. Especially. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. So much fun. And you meet them at a point in their life where a lot of the times they're younger than what we know them as. Yeah, like their grandmasters. Mm-hmm. Influential people throughout all the games. 
makes it feel more real. Yes. It was yeah, actually really good. Guy de Refort, and he was beheaded by Saladin at the Siege of Acre. Yes. Yeah, no, had it. No, that actually no, did. That was that wasn't in Assassin's Creed too. That was in Assassin's Creed. That would be Creed. one. Yeah, that was because it's in, in one. The Siege of Acre is. Yeah, that would I want to say it's the like the last part of the game. And that actually, you actually kill him. He was one of the main characters, mm-hmm. or one of one of the main NPCs. I'm trying to remember. I can't even remember. It's been so. Damn I just remember that fight being like really weird. Man, don't don't go don't go back and play Assassin's Creed one after you play Assassin's Creed two. The controls were not as oh good. Oh my as gosh, it was so oh. it was so bad. Like mm-hmm. the the responsive fighting, the mechanics alone were amazing in Assassin's Creed two, and I I assume that they've just gotten better and better. Except for naval combat, which just doesn't make any sense and should not be in the game. Pirates, man. It's pirates. Yeah. For, I just for wanted the record, all the shanties. For, for the record, this was this was the reason I did not finish Black Flag. The least favorite part for me from Assassin's Creed 3 was ignoring the really subpar voice acting, in my opinion, of the main character. The naval combat, like the ship sequences were the most aggravating and annoying aspects. And so I get into Black Flag. I'm like, all right, cool. We got another Assassin's Creed game. It's going to be pirates. I'm not really sure how this is. Oh, you're kidding me. Because like, it was like the first minute. They're like, you're going to get a ship. I was like, nope, nope, mm-mm. nope, so, we're not doing this. <laughs> we're not doing this. Just to clarify, Blue plays a lot of Destiny, so he likes his ships to be both useless and mechanical. This is purely cosmetic we have here. It's like, of all the things, I am completely comfortable admitting that I am a land animal and I should not be on water that I cannot see the bottom of. I, I somehow picture Blue just putting it in, seeing the ship, and then taking it out. I, that's pretty much, time. that's actually, honestly, <laughs> that is pretty close to what happened. Like, I, I, I played for like an hour or two, and that was kind of the point where my brain was like, this isn't going to get better. This is not getting better. <laughs> yeah. You should just stop while you're, while you're not going to break the disc. <laughs> did they make you did you actually have to like uh plot courses with a chronometer and <laughs> no they didn't get that technical but and... they like they they i mean you had to you had to pay attention to like all the rigging and stuff i mean like it was it was a pretty it was not something that i could point and tell you just go there uh, is it one of those press x on every single freaking little thing no no it, it wasn't, wasn't it bad. wasn't that bad but it was like shifting on a car. Like you had low speed because you could raise the sails for a little bit, and then you can raise them up even more to get more speed out of them. Only and if you kept your people happy. It was it's like not playing. That bad. It was like to me, it was playing oh, wow. Assassin's Creed's Tamagotchi. It's the Sims on Assassin's Creed. Okay, <laughs> that sounds good. <laughs> oh, I love it, Assassin's Creed. Bosun's mate is disgruntled. <laughs> <laughs> The answer to everything is grog. <laughs> Look it up. It's a uh-huh. thing. Uh-huh. And, and the occasional winch. Um. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, man. You know, the reason I finished, the reason I finished, 
reason I finished Black Flag was just so I can get all the sea shanties because that was a cool collectible. Yeah, that's I, and see that was the other problem is like to get some of the collectibles in Black Flag. It was I don't know. There was so there were so many like little out of the way. I, the hunting aspect of it was kind of cool, but like the the collecting of all the things. I was like, I'm OCD. Justin knows mm-hmm. this. I'm I'm OCD about stuff. If I start no. collecting something, I have to finish all all the pieces of it. Uh-huh. Otherwise, I will sit there and whine about it constantly. And like Black Flag, <laughs> Black Flag broke me of that. I was like, I'm done. I don't care. That little piece of paper can fly away. It's gone. <laughs> Goodbye. Go send a pigeon oh, after it. I, I just like that you were very specific and used the word whine. Yeah, I, I like that. I like that you were. <laughs> you, I do. Like, I will sit there and I'm like, ah, oh, God, I don't have this. But twenty percent. God damn it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but um, yeah. So I mean, like the the seamless integration of the game world with actual events was really kind of to me was a really cool aspect of the game it really and it really helped when they started doing like ARGs and they started doing like the social media stuff because it was I mean it was like they laid it out so perfectly to do stuff like that um you know pretty much any ARG that they do now is it it's completely within game lore for the Assassin's Creed world, because their world is pretty seamlessly among our own. Um, and I guess, you know, the only, the only really big thing that separates the two is this really cool mechanical invention called the Animus. Um, and the Animus, you know, we kind of talked about it a little bit. The Animus is something that basically reads your DNA and allows you to access this memory that is accessible through your genetic memories um, or genetics. Um, And I'm trying to remember how they kind of, because they, they kind of explained it in the first few games, but not really. (laughs) They, they didn't really tried to. And then everyone was just skip, skip, skip. Yeah. It was, I mean, like they, I, I will give them, I give them credit that they did try to actually like, put it, you know, they tried to, to put it into a scientific term where they're like, yeah, you do this and this and this. and like in Assassin's Creed 2, um the way that you track the progress through the game was through uh actual splices of DNA, which was kind of mm-hmm. I thought that was kind of a cool the data fragments and everything. Um I thought that was a really cool UI trick within the game. Mm-hmm. Uh boom, 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 boom. But that also, I mean, so like the Animus and then I guess later, obviously, especially like with it, I think this got, or I think this gets explained a lot within the comics um, because I think the, I think they actually have a comic that explains like the, uh, the subject 16 and the stuff like that. Yeah. Um, they go into more of his backstory there. Um <clears throat> By the time we get past Desmond, though, Abstergo has taken so many samples of mm-hmm. all these known assassins that we don't even use our own DNA anymore. We're just writing in on a game, the video game t- t- types thing, so you don't even see it. Yeah. Um, 
which is useful because you know Desmond's dead. Um, yeah. And so, like in the wiki, the assessing, like I don't know if this is the official wiki, but this is like a really popular wiki that everyone references whenever I talk to people. And I'll link this in the show notes. Um, the wiki actually walks through the entire history based off the comics and like all the subjects, um, the uh, the entire concept of what exactly it is within game. And then the really important aspect of the animus, other than obviously giving us access to all our memories genetically, is an ability called the bleeding effect, which we, you know, I kind of talked a little bit about but the bleeding effect is actually something that desmond uses to a great degree to train himself in a lot of the you know traits of the assassin brotherhood even though as you play the game you start kind of learning more and more that anime or that desmond is not is not such a naive person like he, he actually was raised in a house with assassins who were openly members of the assassin brotherhood. Um, when you meet his father in assassin's creed three, you, you find out a lot about like what his dad did to him, uh, to train him and stuff like that. Like, Oh, this, the story of him trying to sneak up on his dad and like how his dad was like, Nope, do it again. (laughs) Nope. Uh Do it again. Like I was like, man, this kid, this, this guy knew what was going on in the world. And it actually kind of makes the the first game, you start realizing that it wasn't necessarily completely he was unaware. Like he wasn't he wasn't just some innocent kid that happened to have the genetics. He was actually an assassin who knew what was going on. And so the uh the bleeding effect leads to him kind of growing his abilities even more so uh, which you you know you start finding within the first game when you come out of the animus and you have like the eagle uh, what's what's the eagle vision eagle vision eagle eye when yeah when you eagle start vision, when, yeah when you get to see all the the really fun happy messages that the previous subjects had left on the wall <laughs> it's like your and own then you personal descent into craziness yeah then you start realizing that that's all blood that was written yeah. in. it was like oh <laughs> lord um. <laughs> But hey, it could be worse. It could be feces. Yeah, yeah. I guess that's. that's I true. was gonna say that. <laughs> <laughs> but and uh, also, anyone who's ever lost a kid at the mall would really appreciate Eagle Vision. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. <laughs> totally agree. Not with that, that I've done that. Not that I've done that at all. <laughs> um, this is not speaking from experience. No. No. All hypothetical. Yeah. But so the Animus goes through a lot of iterations, even just within the games, like, you know, <clears throat> Animus 1.0 or 1.28 or one, what I can't remember if it's 1.0 or 1.28 that we, we interact with in the first game. And then in Assassin's Creed 2, we get introduced to the Animus 2.0. And then. I think it's later in Assassin's Creed 2 or Assassin's Creed 3, actually, that Animus 3. And so, like, basically what happens is the Assassin Brotherhood actually um, steals the technology. And Rebecca, Rebecca Crane, who is a, a, a developer of the Assassins, actually recreates it, um, quote, 
twice as awesome as anything you'll find at Abstergo. Uh-huh. And, and um and that was done and so that Desmond because he escaped so that he could continue, you know, diving into his memories and finding more of these pieces of Eden so that the assassin it's basically a giant racing game of finding the hidden treasure for each party. And then, you know, of mm-hmm. course, once each people once each group finds something, then it's a a scramble to either steal or keep it from being stolen. Um, but yeah, the bleeding effect has some really, really interesting side effects. Namely, you go bat crazy sometimes. Subject four. Subject four and 16 to a degree. Yeah. Was, was subject, no, was subject four, that was um, Daniel. Right, I, I'm not Wasn't that entirely. Cross? I think Cross was. Yeah, it was Cross. He was, that was, he was Cross. The crazy. Yeah, he's the one who started just murdering everybody. Sixteen was the one who got trapped. In yeah, the animus. Wasn't Sixteen it? was the one that his his uh, his psyche got trapped in the animus, and like I think it was um, Revelations, Revelations, and Brotherhood was basically Desmond was going into a coma and as he went into a coma he was unlocking subject 16's like the more he unlocked of subject 16 the more it drove him into a coma other way around was it the other way around yeah cuz he goes into a coma after Lucy dies cuz oh that's he, right cuz he he gets, kills Lucy yeah. in the Minerva thing oh that's yeah right. That's right. that scene damn it yeah <laughs> yeah i know that's the heartstring scene because that was that was the, if I remember correctly, that was the end of two. Yeah, and you're like, <gasps> what? Did you find <laughs> out that Lucy's a triple agent? She's like playing the Templar and the assassin, and then the Templar back and forth. I mean, mm-hmm. it was for the better uh, good. She was really was good probably, at what she did. She it was, was probably the first time that I'm like, I have to pre- game the instant it comes out because I need to know what happens. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh man. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Um, Obviously, as the game goes further and further and further, Abstergo Entertainment comes on board, um, and that brings up the Animus, I think it's called the Animus Console, which is, you know, we were kind of, we were talking, it's the equivalent of the new generation of console gaming. Next uh, gen. Yeah, it's, it's basically virtual reality. So, everyone who's losing their mind on VR... Keep that in mind. But but everyone knows the new Animus is just a reskinned old Animus with a bigger budget. <laughs> mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Better graphics right, card. It's got a better so- graphics card. <laughs> and it's 4K ready. <laughs> supposedly. Supposedly it's 5K. it is. <laughs> you know, I will I will say that was a really cool thing about Black Flag was the um this the the levels where you got to walk around the offices of Abstergo uh-huh. Entertainment. I was like, you know, this is like really kind of how something like this would be laid out. They did a really good job in kind of laying that all out. Um and then I think yeah, cuz then they actually released the the VR unit which is the I think it's Brahmin, I think is what that is called. 
And then that leads then that leads into the um, the Abstergo the Abstergo technology developments that we see within the upcoming movie, which is what is being called the Animus Simulator, which is basically I don't know how they feel about the movie. Which is, well, there's, there seems to be a a very, very drastic difference between all the iterations of the animus I've seen so far in concept art and stuff. And what I see in the previews for the movie that am I right in saying it's, it's like an arm. Yeah. So um, what the, what, what I'm understanding is the VR unit is like the consumer level. Like it's like everyone, it's, it's a portable thing and it's not actually meant, it's not actually meant to do like physical training and stuff like that. Whereas the animus simulator is a, is that giant arm, but it's in this, this big empty room where you actually were, were able to physically move. Like you actually were able to, you know, exercise and actually get the physical skills that you perceive your, your character in the animus doing, you actually were carrying out. So like you were able to, yeah, it's it's, the X-Men. Yeah. Combat simulator. Right. Without, Uh, without the the first three games, you lay down on a bed and it's almost like it's projected into your brain. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's what I'm seeing a lot of. And I don't know if you guys have seen this, but um, Abstergo actually has a website. Um, yes, they do. It's the a, best thing a like, ever. A legitimate website, and they actually have a an FAQ for the Animus, and they actually have some some old brochures which are very well done. Um, and they don't have dates on them, but there's for the uh, Memoriam S two thousand, which looks rather old, like maybe it was from the seventies, and then. The Animus MS three thousand, which looks like it's from like the you know the um, maybe like the eighties, early nineties, and then we have the Animus one which is like very futuristic, and then they have some concept pieces. And well, this is a very real site with with an actual um, an actual forum mod named Otto Schmidt who who answers people's questions about <laughs> little little do people know on the podcast but justin has been asking him questions the entire time <laughs> maybe once or t- one or two uh-huh. uh but yeah yeah do, do we have time to to delve a little bit into animus mechanics yeah yeah so this th- that's like a pretty big juxtaposition for me in the game because visually it's the game is a period piece, right? It's, it's, um, you know, it's, it's all dated, you know, whatever time period, the, the given game you're playing. But when I was playing unity, um, you know, we're in France, um, and like revolutionary France and, all of a sudden I'm getting these like flashes of a subway or some futuristic thing. And it was all because I hadn't experienced the other games and didn't know the backstory. It was all a little bit jarring for me, but the animus mechanic is actually a little ingenious. Um, The whole way it's supposed to work. 
um, is off of genetic memory, which just saying the thing, it doesn't really sound very plausible to me. I don't, I don't know. It's kind of a hard one to swallow. But then I started actually looking into it, and mm-hmm. it turns out that genetic memory may actually be a valid concept. Mm-hmm. Um, there were actually scientists that did um, at Emory University in, two, in 2013 did a study on mice where they exposed them to a certain odor. And then directly after shocked them. I know that sounds awful. Um, Bell's going to kill me, but um, so. It's okay. There might be Oh, okay. Well, just the animal thing might get me. But (laughs) so in 2013, they, they, they took these poor mice and they, they exposed them to the scent of cherry blossoms. And then they shocked them every time. And they, they did this many, many times. And then they bred these mice and they took their offspring and exposed them to the scent of cherry blossoms. And they exhibited fear and flight responses immediately. And then that generation's children, the grandchildren of the original test subjects exhibited the same response. So these are, you know, it's, it's almost like an evolutionary thing where our ancestors feared, like wolves, wild animals, you know, uh, maybe thunder and lightning. And we might actually have a predisposed response to these things. And it might not just be environmental. It might be genetic. Um, I thought that was actually. Yeah. There's just to interject a little bit. There's, there's an entire psychological school that assumes that when we talk about instinct, that's actually what we're talking about is genetic memories because i mean if you think about it that's that's actually a potential explanation for your instincts your natural instincts the fight or flight mechanism because yeah. if you um you know if you just you know on the surface instincts is the surviving traits of a particular unit within a species right uh, it's not just physical. It's actually sometimes emotional or mental. You know, a, a predator who's more aggressive in hunting might fare better in a in an environment, whereas in other environments, uh, the same type of predator would need to be more cautious. And given that geographical location, you know, those traits actually get carried on through its offspring. Um, there's a lot of psychological schools who attribute that to the equivalent of what you would call genetic memories because that's that's really what kind of it is is that it's your genetics and it's surviving traits you know within it's i hate saying that it's darwinism but it it kind of is that concept of adapting to the environment and the, the the entities that adapt the best survive and the entities that don't they don't and so the the traits, you know, not just physical. Again, there's also the mental traits as well. Well, here's a question I have. With it kind of goes into the genetic traits and the genetic memories, and then the bleeding effect. Do we have any examples of the bleeding effect in game after Desmond's dead? When we get into Black Flag, and we're the player character. That is um, just like this random dude. Is there any sort of, you know, 
bleeding effect coming in? Because I don't um, remember any. I want to say in Black Flag, and again, I didn't, I haven't played much of it, but I want to say that after like a first couple missions, I'm, I might be misremembering this, but I want to say that there was actually the Eagle Vision component. But I don't, because the the thing about the bleeding effect for Desmond was that it was his genetics. Mm-hmm. So, like, the bleeding effect was much stronger for him, you know, than any than anyone else because it was it was basically just unlocking how to it was like muscle memory right um, right i i don't know actually i don't i don't i want to say I, yes i don't recall anything in unity but i don't really try to remember hmm like in unity i don't even remember you your your, your entire playtime is as the character it's never as somebody who's outside of the animus mm-hmm. it's almost like when you start up the actual video game you're it's it's supposed to be like you're starting up the animus entertainment system and it's bringing you into your genetic memory maybe in that iteration of the animus they've figured out a way to block the bleeding effect or nullify it to the point where the user doesn't notice it yeah, I mean, and again, I think the fact that in the later games we're not playing we're not playing the source of the genetic material is a large mm-hmm. is a large step to explaining, you know, why they don't have because they're also, I mean, remember of Stergo Entertainment's releasing this on a broad spectrum. So basically, as long as they don't accidentally give someone who's related to Desmond the memories of Desmond, the bleeding effect probably wouldn't trigger anything because I, I would view again, I, I kind of view it as, you know, muscle memory and reminding you how to stretch those muscles. Mm-hmm. So for someone who isn't connected genetically, it would make sense that they don't have that particular muscle structure so that, you know, it's, it's a, uh, just Justin will like this. It's the, un, it's the decrypting of an, a mental Ingram. Oh, right. Uh, Hello. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It's, it's, you know, it's, it's, there's, there's that unconscious, you already, you already know it. It's an instinct within you. And by processing the gameplay and that bleeding effect is basically the game, the gameplay in game. Yeah. Reminding your brain how to use it. I think what you're trying to say is that for a for a descendant of Desmond, the bleeding effect would be innate. It would right, be right, yes, something that would just duck to water type thing, as opposed to a, your average a Joe. Yeah, a non descendant um, entering the animus and experiencing these memories. Um, yeah, I've got a question, and this is a complete question because I don't know. Um, you know, we have the question. Um, in one of the Grimoire cards for Destiny, um, where it says, you know, I don't know how many of the memories we have are ours and how many are ghosts fabricated for us. Um, how much manipulation do you think Abstergo does to some of these memories? I, or I, are they I don't do think they, because, well, because remember the entire, the entire reason that they are, they're delving into these memories is to actually recapture the knowledge that was lost from the memories. Right. 
So mm-hmm. they, by that very nature, I would argue that they don't want to manipulate the information. They want it pure because they're trying to find those pieces. It is, it is a, an espionage story at heart, right? So misinformation is right. But I mean, but Abstergo in and of itself, I mean, espionage against themselves is different than, well, well, yeah, you're, you're essentially on a fact finding mission for Abstergo most of the time, aren't you? Right. Yeah. Except for, Except for the last few games with Desmond, that is my understanding: is that if you're actually use, if you're using one of the animuses from Absurgo Entertainment, they have a a device called the Data Dump Scanner, which is basically, um, or no, not the. I think the DDS is the DDS. How they collect it? Mm-hmm. Because isn't the it's DDS? The, it's the storage. Yeah, so it's what? like the cloud storage that they use to recover the experience. Because the thing is, is like it's not, um, it's not enough that they have the genetic information. Like they they have Desmond's blood, and that's you know like it's all mm-hmm. good and great, but the information that's stored within that genetic material is immense. Like, you know, it's, it's obviously thousands of lifetimes of information. So they have to, they have to expand on it and they have to delve into it. And so that's where the more and more people that they introduce into exploring these memories, the more and more that they start, you know, unlocking these aspects and unlocking this information and learning about, you know, um, the whole the whole scene with Ezio and the Assassin's Creed Two trilogy with uh, the Pope and you know the Vatican holding the the staff which was a piece of Eden, like that entire thing was the process was unlocking that memory that because that that memory is a single memory of a single life within the span of the DNA. You know, there's no there's no technical way of unraveling. It would be like it's like if you ever write lines of code, you're trying to find one period in a in a code sequence that's billions and billions of lines. You know, it's it's just the practicality of it is just not so. But the more people you have looking at the code, you know, you take this segment, you take this segment, you take this segment, the more people you have looking at it, the more likely you're going to find that one little piece. Mm. But so for I, them, animus, the increasing the number of animus subjects equals processing power. Correct. Right. They're yes. able to delve through, through more lines of genetic code. Right. Because it's like a computer with multiple processors. Yeah, and I think that was that was the the ingenuity of the Assassin's Creed Two uh, UI, and and actually they did it going forward with Assassin's Creed Three and Black Flag. They did that a lot. the The way that you could track your progress within game was the unlocking of data of genetic data, and it was a it was like a it was a strand of DNA. And you could, that's how you could access the data was you would go to a particular connection point and you'd say, I want to remember, I want to re-experience this memory. And then, you know, depending on what you did within that memory, you would, you would remember a hundred percent or 75%, you know, you, you would have to unlock different aspects of it. So like, you know, we were kind of talking about the, you know, the joke about the, the shanties from black flag, right? In order to get a hundred percent unlocked of that memory, you had to find all the shanties from within that 
particular memory. So like your character and it's a weird it's a weird thing because at the same time that you're in control of the in- individual experiencing the memory, the individual's memory is still statically there. Right? So it's it's not something that you change, it's something that you experience. But it, it's a weird it's a weird juxtaposition because the memory the memory is there, right? And you are inside the memory controlling the person who's having the memory. So you can technically, which is in game when you run into like the invisible walls and stuff, they explain that through that. It's like your memory hasn't unlocked this aspect of the, you know, you haven't unlocked this aspect of the subject's mm-hmm. memory yet. And which yeah, was again, synchronized enough. yeah. Oh my God. It was again, just such an ingenious mechanic as a UI because it was like, Oh, that actually makes perfect sense. Um, but like, so as you become more synchronized with the memory, which is basically you, you started following in the footsteps of the person who was having the memory, um, you became more synchronized, which thus, which as Desmond increased that bleeding effect significantly, mm-hmm. because as you become more synchronized, your brain is becoming their brain which translates into you all of a sudden start taking on their personality. You start having their memories. You start experiencing the world through them, um, all this stuff. And so that's where you start having, you know, disassociative identity disorder. Serious, like actual, you actually are carrying multiple personalities within your head now. Mm-hmm. And that's what the bleeding effect is. The bleeding effect is a, is a literal multiple personality disorder that is brought on by the animus because as you become more synchronized with the memory units within the animus that that unlocks psychologically, your brain is actually rewriting itself to accommodate that information. And that's where the bleeding effect comes in. And that's why Desmond is all of a sudden able to do all this stuff in his life that, you know, Altair did that Ezio did that Connor was doing all that stuff, you know, the, the um and ultimately even ultimately even um you know when he dies that's all basically from the bleeding effect he learns how to do all this he learns how to do all this through the genetic memory so i mean you're experiencing the memory while at the same time you're unlocking a greater synchronicity with that memory it's a really i think it's a really ingenious storytelling element as well. If that answers your question. So I get, I get something I want to build off what was kind of saying a thought I've had of recently at the end of Assassin's Creed, the original, the Assassin's order is all but decimated because of the use of the apple by Al Mualim. Mm-hmm. All that's left is Etsy is um, Altair and he rebuilds it. Then we come into Ezio. When Ezio starts, it's all but gone. And then he restarts it again. And it seems to be a running theme. Cause I noticed it with Connor too, with Connor, when he starts up, it, there seems to be some kind of an order, but all you have is the old, I don't, I can't remember his name, but the old, 
black guy who's sitting in the oh. broken down shack of your family. Yeah. Who's like, I was an assassin and I'm going to train you everything <laughs> you need to know. He sounds like Mesa. <laughs> oh, God. So, but it's just, so here's a thought, and this is super spin foil. What if, as you're reliving these genetic memories, you're changing history? There was no, after Amwalan destroyed it, Altair may have recreated it, but there may not have been an Assassin's Order after that. If you had not gone back in time through your genetic memory and interjected. Well, I mean, I guess I through what kind crazy. of... I mean, right. through what kind of thing can you affect that? Because you're going into genetic memory that is already in your bloodstream. You're, you can't you're not actually wibbly wobbly timey wimey anything. Oh, it's, it's such not a Doctor good Who. But it should be. Um, no, but there was. I don't I'm trying to remember because I remember something about the pieces of Eden. Because wasn't the hybrid? Wasn't one of the thing about the hybrids was when they were when they were put through the pieces of Eden. Whatever. Hang on, I'm. This is gonna, this is gonna drive me up a wall because I I just read something about this. Oh God! I just had this thought. I don't know. Yes, While I'm going all wibbly wobbly timing on you. Yeah. While Blue's looking that kind of thing up, do you guys think they're going to continue to try to step forward in time? I mean, I know the idea is they're going to Egypt next. Are they going to be able to jump back and forth in time throughout the? Uh, the series since we've been we started at third crusade renaissance colonial french revolution in china and moving forward in time with each game do you think they're going to bounce back and forth i would like, oh, I like, I'd, like too. I'd like to see oh, excuse me i'd like to see more instances where it's like the Ezio series where you're you're sitting in one time area for a couple games cuz some of those time areas there's a lot that you can unpack in them but I would, no, I, would I think it could get it could get really confusing for someone like me who's who's uh not as versed in the storyline but it it could be an interesting an interesting way to to shed light on story you've already been through yeah but I think that um I think that's what made you know at least for me that's what made the Ezio trilogy so compelling and so fascinating was that it gave you three full, I mean, I mean, there were multiple DLCs on top of the, the three games and, but like it gave you three really decent sized games in which you played one character and you got to know that character and, you know, you got to know the nuances of that character. You not only that, but you got to watch this character go through his life you know, you start off in Assassin's Creed well, 2 and Ezio's pretty young. By revelations, he's an he's an old guy. Like he's an he's an older figure and he's now a uh-huh. mentor for it. And like you watch that progression through Assassin's Creed 2 and Brotherhood and Revelations, and then all the the multitude of DLCs that were, you know, encompassed in those. And it really connect and I mean that's why out of the entire game series so far, Ezio is still my favorite figure like not not just because he's a complete bamf but it's just like he there there was actually like there was actually an emotional connection between him and the players 
because you actually grew with him. You know, it wasn't oh, you, just you it wasn't just emotionally a, invested. Right, right. It wasn't just one when of those you follow scenes. one character across titles. Yeah, yeah, and it was kind of the same with Desmond. I mean, Desmond is a more abstract connection because Desmond is the the means through which you connect to Ezio. Ezio was really the you know the the meat and potatoes of that that trilogy. Desmond was kind of the side serving that kind of was like this is how you get Ezio was through Desmond, but. Yeah, I mean, I would, I would think that, you know, especially in some of these, his, you know, like what Coed was saying with the with the French Revolution, there was there's tons of potential information that you could go. I mean, there's people who are talking about how cool it would be if you had like a hundred years war, or the ro- yeah. the the uh, War of Roses, because you want to talk about political intrigue, the War of Roses. Oh my gosh, it would be that's just like perfect offering. Um, Is it? Is it wrong that I want a civil war one? Well, you kind of got it. You kind of, you kind of might be way too uh, similar. Well, you got the revolutionary. Yeah, you. I think they attempted that with Assassin's Creed Three, and the here's my problem with Assassin's Creed Three. I thought that the timeline and the geographical location made sense. The gameplay was really actually not terrible. The the delivery of the lines was horrible in my opinion. It was like, pretty deadpan. It, it was, I don't, I, I think he was, tr- I, I don't know. I don't know what the voice actor was trying to accomplish with that character, but it fell short. And I think that damaged the entire game in my opinion. Although running through the trees was pretty fun. Oh my gosh. That was the, I the the like I said the mechanics of Assassin's Creed Three were not bad, the, like the no, the awesome. uh, using the forest and hunting the redcoats like that was amazing, but yeah the the cutscenes were just so painful. You got, a, mm-hmm. you got a tomahawk too. Yes, you did. Mm-hmm. It was also the first game where I could dual wield weapons. Well, you oh well yeah technically. Well, Technically, what like you you had dual wielding in Assassin's Creed Two, as far as the blades, but like the hidden blades. But I yeah, don't think because you, you had could, the two hidden blades. But I don't think yeah, I don't think you could dual wield. Anyways, you could throw the throwing daggers, but that was a yeah. Um, I was I was actually the idea about altering history. Uh, going back to the pieces of Eden, they there is a comment from the Isu that they discovered that when enough humans sat in thrall of the pieces of Eden and were forced to believe, their thoughts became reality. Mm-hmm. So, which is he, what I think, what I believe, part of what Abstergo Templars are trying to do. Yeah, yeah, Abstergo. They want everyone to think the same thing, and then poof. Magic, but I think the the qualifier there is that it would have to be a piece of Eden, not the animus. Because I don't, I mean, you know, the shards of Eden and the pieces of Eden. Uh, well, I guess technically, though, if you didn't, they didn't they see the same map that Desmond saw? Yeah, that's one? I was about to say because technically, the technically, are. they made pieces of Eden into shards that they placed on the humans with rings. I, I don't know. It's, it's a, it's a, <laughs> it's a, it's an interesting possibility. 
I think that as the player so far, though, we are not changing history because the entire concept of reliving genetic memories would indicate that if, because I mean, remember if you don't, if you do something wrong, you desynchronize with the memory. Yeah, that's true. That's how they well, explain getting it's, wiped. It's not if you do one thing wrong, right? It's if if you consistently veer from the path, right? You know, I mean, well, like if also you die, certain, if you die, certain wickets you have to hit. Yeah. Well, and yeah, yeah, but you, you can wickets, you can you differ. You can differ from the memory in in vague little ways. You just can't stray off the path completely, right? Yeah, yes, and the, in I'm the in game explanation that I understand, there is that you're not actually. You're you're not actually okay. How am I going to say this? You're not straying from the memory. You're finding a better synchronized setup. Okay. So you're not. It's not that you're. It's not that you are straying from the memory. It's that you are looking for the memory's full synchronized form. Yeah, it's almost like you know that. X person has to kill Y person, but you're not sure exactly how they do it. And right. by achieving full synchronization, you get that hundred percent. You go, okay, so this is they went this path and killed them this way. Right. Okay. Which also explains so, why some of the missions that you get in game are like, you know, uh, chase the princess because <laughs> the memory. You know, I mean, I, 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 it's it. a funny, it's a funny one, but I mean, that's that's seriously what it is. Is that he, that individual Arno, has a memory in his DNA sequence of chasing the princess, and there's a specific path in which it took a long time. <laughs> a real long time to catch but, her. I mean, it's the same as like with Ezio. You know, Ezio's has uh, missions in which you have to tail certain individuals, and you can't be seen. Um, you can you can nuance different ways of you know blending in, but the the end result is that you're not seen and you're able to tail them to a specific point, which then furthers further synchronizes the unlocking of memories. So you know the cause is this memory gets synchronized, and then the the effect is that leads into a number a deeper memory being opened up. So. But yeah, it's it's an it's an interesting theory. I I just I don't know. I I think that in the game right now, I don't think that's the case. But I think Abstergo. I don't think that Abstergo would be opposed to it. Rewriting history so they win. Yeah, that sounds mm-hmm. like a pretty standard plan. Yeah, yeah. Typical evil villain. Yeah, and then what makes what makes the Templars and the assassins. So, and I, I'm assuming that they kind of get into this with, you know, unity and, um, rogue and all the others, um, syndicate and all those is that both sides are not actually evil, nor are they really good. There are evil right. assassins and there are good Templars. It's just, you know, we start off the entire series playing the assassins and so we're kind of, you know, as players, we're biased towards the assassins, you know, because the Templars are always portrayed as evil. But then, like, you know, even in the even in uh, Assassin's Creed Three, you start getting presented with the fact that Templars are not always wrong. Um, you know, Connor's father is a Templar, but he's an assassin. Yeah. 
Um, and then, you know, Edward, God, keep calling him, keep messing his name up. Kenway? Yes. Um, he's, you know, he's kind of his own force there for a while. And then I think he find he ultimately, doesn't he ultimately side with the assassins? In the end of the, in the end of Black Flag? Doesn't he? I think he, he does. He, well, he, he doesn't necessarily become a part of any of the brotherhood he just assumes the identity of one that yeah because he did that in he did that at the start so that he could steal the treasure right which was which was hilarious i was i was playing that i was like this is not gonna end well for you dude like this is of all the people for you to steal the identity of this is probably not the best idea yeah but the black flag it's kind of more of the idea of he's fighting big business, big corporation, big, I mean, he's fighting against England Mm -hmm. essentially with all the the ships and everything. And he's the little guy. And I think that's the whole key of the assassins. The assassins are kind of libertarians in such a way, if we're going to relate it back to something that we know today, Mm -hmm. they want to be able to do things their way and be able to have freedom to it. Whereas the other side, the Templar side is more like big business corporation, we want to control every aspect of what you're doing. Yep. Which, you know, again, peace, peace through control and peace through freedom or peace with free will is the, it's, it's, it's both sides want peace, but it's the, the means to achieve it and how to retain it. That, um, the question really comes down to, But I think I want to say that we that's a pretty good summary. I know we got a little bit into the weeds with some ideas and stuff. But I, I, I don't want know to what say, you're talking about. Yeah. Just Justin got lost as soon as we got done talking about chasing the princess. Listen. Which can be taken so many different ways. As soon as I said if, that I realized if Assassin's, that if Assassin's Creed has in moments of triumph, that should be on it. catch the princess catch the princess princess. Uh. you just hear somebody in the background going as you (laughs) (laughs) oh and then it ties in with black with black flag and he's dread pirate roberts i love it (laughs) it's inconceivable Blue, <laughs> shout outs. <laughs> yeah. Um, I wanted to, you know, first I wanted to really just give a huge thank you to Bo Amos um, for his support. Um, we are going to be trying to get him on a podcast here shortly. Uh, I know it is in the works. We, it will happen. It will happen. Um, but again, just a big thank you for all the support that he's been giving us. And then also please be sure to check out. So the rise of iron DLC giveaway has closed. We will be announcing the winner tomorrow on the next episode, which would be episode 55 um, or 54. Wow. Anyways, tomorrow's episode will be announcing the winner of the rise of iron DLC. But this week, our giveaway is going to be a loot crate. 
So we have another Loot Crate, um, free month of Loot Crate for anyone who has not already subscribed. Uh, if you're in the Discord chat, please just uh, ask. We have a command set up for it, and we can get that information to you very quickly. And we, I will be tweeting it out. I'm trying to remember to tweet it out every day so that people remember it. So but, what's yes. the theme? What's the theme for that one? This, uh, one? this month's theme is horror. Oh. it's yeah it's october nice. so it's um i'm trying to remember the products or the franchises i think it's walking dead texas chainsaw massacre a nightmare on elm street and friday the 13th is the ones that they have announced and there's sometimes every now and then there's something else hidden within it so it's it looks like a good I was I was honestly surprised. This last month was speed and I was really kind of on the I was like I'm not really sure this is going to be a good one. It was a pretty good one. So I don't know. I love I love loot crate. So How about how about you Justin what you got? Tell me. I just want to shout out uh Green-Eyed and Coed for joining us tonight and being awesome awesome co-hosts. And also, big shout out to Green Eye for being the prettiest person on this podcast <laughs> right now. Prettiest one, hands down. Blue was second. Um, <laughs> this, okay, okay, no, we have to we have to explain where this where this, this, got, comes this got from. weird real quick <laughs> because yeah, because someone someone had to be off air. He wasn't. He was out working basically all month and he got he got back turned on this he turned on his stream and i think basically his first reaction was "Ah!" (laughs) (laughs) who did that you did do you not remember this do you not remember your own stories oh my gosh this oh yeah yeah yeah, (laughs) this guy definitely I, I do know, yeah, because I got used to not having a face cam. That's what you're talking about. Yeah. I say a lot of things, Blue. You're <laughs> gonna have to be more specific. Yeah, yeah. Basically I was I was away working and when I finally did get back and went to game stream for the first time and there was a face cam and for some reason on my OBS scene, the screen was really big. <laughs> and oh, gosh. Uh, yeah, yeah. So it was a whole lot of Justin. but it should be um anyways so thank you guys for joining us all all joking aside um and uh another big shout out for dod chatter white crew um we should be streaming on focus fire channel another run at wrath of the machine did you guys finish it no we did not <laughs> we didn't either. Thank Don't you. Feel bad. Yeah. No. No. Really big thanks to everyone who's in the chat um, for being really respectful of our blindness um, to the you know raid. So that's well. Then I will keep my mouth shut. <laughs> <laughs> that's all right. Green. How about you? You got any? Got any shout outs for us? Oh, I got a shout out to the guys back in the Discord because. I tell you what, pulling these kind of things together and making the mind map would not happen without the guys pulling all their information together every single week for all the focus fire chat and the extra lore stuff. 
there's no way I would be able to pull stuff in. And I know you, you pull a ton from the chat too into these giant mind maps that we make. So my shout out goes to those guys there. Mm-hmm. They, yeah, this is, this is a, a community effort. Seriously. No. Yeah. And I, I know next to nothing about this game and this mind map made me sound like I knew a little bit so that's, <laughs> like that's compliment, but that's high praise. It took a lot. <laughs> oh, How about you, Cody? You got, got any shout outs? Um, I got a shout out to you and Justin Blue for inviting me onto the podcast and to Green for being such a big help with everything and helping me through my nerves as far as podcast because let's face it, I'm not one of the most social people. Um, uh, big, big shout out to DOD Military for inviting me in and letting me in and becoming a part of the DOD family. Um, that's about it. Sweet. Well, with that, we'll begin to wrap the chat up. Thank you again to those over on Twitch for coming to spend the evening with us. If you'd like to join us, please be sure to give us a follow over on twitch.tv slash focus fire chat. Links to all our sites can also be found with our episode archives over on www.focusfirechat.com. Thank you again to Green-Eyed and Coed for being guest co-hosts tonight. We really appreciate it, and we hope to have you guys on sometime soon again. Um, please be sure to email us at focusfirechat at gmail.com with any feedback or questions concerning the podcast and let us know how we're doing by giving some feedback on iTunes or through that email as well. We do try to keep to the scheduled Wednesday night streams of the chat for the normal Focus Fire episodes starting at approximately 10 p.m. Central. But if we have any variations, such as our extra lore episodes every month, we always try to make sure to let everyone know through our Twitter account at Focus Fire Chat. Also, please be sure to check out our partner podcast within the Guardian Radio Network over on the guardiansofdestiny.com. So, until next time, focus your fire and may your light shine bright. <laughs>